you know, there are times where I'm just coming out of prayer, and I don't always feel things with prayer. You're not not necessarily supposed to, you know. When you spend time praying in the Holy Spirit, when you spend time worshiping, when you spend time reading your word, do you know that feelings don't have to be there? They don't have to be there. And the reason why is feelings are sometimes dependent on the flesh. Everybody say amen. Amen. See, because the flesh, the flesh has feelings. The flesh has motives. The flesh has ideas about what's supposed to happen. And so your flesh doesn't get to dictate your relationship with God. Let me put it another way. God is not the father of this guy. He's not the father of this guy. He's not the father of this guy's whining. (laughs) He's not the father of this guy's weakness. He's not the father of this guy's pouting, complaining. (laughs) God doesn't relate to him. Who he relates to is the Spirit of Christ, who is the new life, the new person on the inside of you. That's his son. That's his daughter. That's who he fellowships with. I'm going to start today, and I, I don't know, I, I believe we're going to talk about the power of the spoken word, but we're going to start out with, I can remember a, a picture that the Holy Spirit gave me of, of uh, us as people, you know, because people are not simple things, they're not simple things, they're not, they're more complicated than cars, and cars are complicated for most of us. <laughs> They're more complicated than computers and more sophisticated than all the circuitry that goes on in there. And so, you know, we we have a spirit. We are a spirit created in the likeness of Christ. We have a soul and we have a body. And all of those things, as much as we like to compartmentalize them and say, well, the spirit, there's the soul and the body, somehow they're all here together in this spot, (laughs) And they're all connected. Everybody say connected. See, they're all there. The day that you're not connected to your body, you're dead. (laughs) We will not be getting to see you anymore. So the body is an important house, but it is just the house. The house does not get to decide what I do. I live in the house. The house doesn't live through me. See, so, but all of these things are connected and, you know, we talked about last week, I'm not going to relay this, but everybody remember Galatians 5. Now the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And I had Rochelle who up here is, was fl- the per- personification of the flesh, Rochelle. <laughs> Love you, Rochelle. <Okay. laughs> but she, she's standing up here and, and the flesh and the spirit, it says in Galatians, it says uh, the spirit of, and the flesh are contrary so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you would be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the law was meant to restrain the flesh. See, so the, the law of the Old Testament was meant to restrain all of the desires. And we even have laws today in our culture. It's not necessarily because people are necessarily good. It's just that if we don't have consequences for the bad that they would do, they would end up doing it. If you removed all consequence from stealing, how many think that theft would go up? I think it would. Why? Because, because what's on the inside is coming out. So the law was meant to restrain 
the death nature. The law was meant to restrain the wickedness. That's why we have law. That's why we have consequence. Because we can't trust the world to be good because innately they are not. We cannot trust people to just do what's in the best interest of everyone else. There has to be consequence. So, you know, and that's why so many times, even though I don't care how much you want to criticize the government, whether it's one party or another, Paul, I think he had it worse than both of all of us. He was underneath a system that would put you to death. Okay? And you know what he admonished in pretty much every one of his epistles is that you respect and you pray for those that are above you in authority. And he says they're the ministers of God. Now, he doesn't mean that God put them in office. What he means is what they're doing is providing law. What they're doing is a benefit to you in that they do not allow murderers and convicts to roam free. That's the, that's the work of God. <laughs> Everybody say amen to that. Amen. See, so Paul wrote that, and he says, you need to understand that there is, a, there is a necessary purpose, and I don't believe there will ever come a day until we go into glory with Christ I don't think there's ever going to be a day on this earth where you do not need a government as much as you may like to despise them. You need them. Because there has to be a rule. There has to be a law to keep those that are, not, that are lawless in their hearts in check. Okay? But you have, and see, each and every one of us, even though we are born again, we've received the law. It says in Romans, the law of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So that law that produced sin and death that was restrained by the Old Testament law and now modern law, that law that restrained that, it restrained the death that was on the inside of people. But Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And it says in Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, Now there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So when you, this is why it's so imperative. This is, this is the mission. God has no other mission except to get people's hearts filled with the law of life. Every single person on this planet, I don't care what religion they're in, they need a law of life because no matter what they believe, there's a law of death in there that produces wickedness. It produces wickedness. This was the box that we were trapped in. This is what the devil was effectively waving in God's face and says, I have them forever. I've got them locked up. How are you going to get them out of this? Because they will just reproduce the death that's already on the inside of them. He started from the first one with Adam. And Jesus came, not born of man, but born of God, with the law of life inside of him. And he came to redeem those that were lawless, unrighteous. See, he was the only one that was born righteous. He was the only one that had the capacity from birth to have that freedom to walk free from the sin. And see, what law tried to do was restrain the death nature, but the, the law could not put away the death nature. The law could not take away the death nature. But Jesus came, to, and it says, it says in 1 Corinthians, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what he was, he was the only one that had the goods, that had the cash to pay the ransom. He was the only one with the life to do that. So if you can find for me someone else that was born with, without the aid of another person, 
who was born without, was born with life from above, and you can prove it to me, I would be interested. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. There's no way to God except through me. He wasn't being prideful. He was saying, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he sent. He was the second Adam. He was the life that came to redeem all of the death that was on the inside of us. And it's not your fault that you were born dead. It's not your fault that, that you got born into a, a, a race and a species that had death propagated from the very beginning. That's not your fault. And this is why he sent. And this is through every single generation you can read about in the Word of God. In every single generation, there were people speaking the gospel in some form. They were saying, someone is coming that is going to redeem us from this box. It's going to get us out of this cage. It's going to get us out of this prison. See, And every generation, whether it was, whether it was Adam who had that word that, that, that uh, what, did it, what was it that was said? Um, he's going to bruise your head, Satan, but you're going to bruise his heel. That was the first notion that there is someone coming that's going to put this down that you've done. And then it kept continuing in the type and shadow of Noah and the type and shadow of Abraham and Moses and all of those and the prophets and David and Samuel. Everybody was waiting for this one man Jesus to come, waiting, hoping for the time that he would get here. And then he came and now we're on the other side of he has come and you have been partakers of that same life. Everyone has received that life. And even those in the Old Testament who were waiting Time is not a problem with God. They were waiting on Christ. When he paid that price, they received that life that they were waiting for. And you can read in the New Testament where many of those that were waiting, it says that they rose from the dead and were walking the streets of Jerusalem on, from that day that he rose from the dead. And they were giving glory and testimony to God of what Jesus had done. You have been born again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. You have life on the inside of you. But you still have that law of life in Christ Jesus is on the inside of you. But you still have the motions, it says. The motions of sin in this flesh. And we talked about in Galatians chapter 5. And I had Rochelle up here. The spirit that's on the inside of you. Lust against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And, they, and they're completely opposed. They do not do the same thing. But if you're led of the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. See? <clears throat> well, I was reading about this, and so I'm thinking to myself, well, here's the flesh. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is spirit area right here. Spirit. This is flesh. All right, what, what's the soul? What is it? And uh, the more I was trying to meditate on this, the Lord gave me a picture. And he said, essentially, it was like this. He says, you have two you have two fountainheads of leadership in your life. You have two streams or two rivers of leadership in your life. One stream that wants to water your life. Okay, This is pretty simple imagery. If you're going to water a garden, you want good water. Yes? You want good, clean water, whatever you want. I've heard, I don't know that this is true, but I've heard that rainwater will do for plants what just, you know, processed water cannot because of some of the minerals and things like that. You want, you want good, clean, fresh water to water that garden. Yes? Everybody with me? 
But I remember uh, and reading about this, you know, when Chernobyl happened. Everybody, Chernobyl, when they had the nuclear disaster and all of that uh, nuclear stuff got out and it, it polluted everything and, and even the water. And, and so things that were, were rained on or the streams that flowed, it was death where those streams flowed. It produced death. It brought death. It, wherever that river flowed, it carried the death with it. Well, so I, I saw this picture in me when I was praying. And you, you read the Bible. This is the, this is the formula. <laughs> read the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit. Let Him teach you. Read the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit. Let Him teach you. Read the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit. Let Him teach you. Okay? If you are always listening to other people... Um, well, you're at the mercy of other people. And, uh, you know, it's people that usually, if, if, if you agree with everyone on everything they're saying, you probably haven't read the Word of God for yourself. I, I don't need to go on that. Okay. But, but there was two fountainheads of leadership. I saw this picture, and it was like a beautiful valley, okay? And you had one mountain, and you had another mountain, okay? So this was... There's a mountain on this side, and there's a mountain on this side, and, you know, the streams originate in the mountains. That's what I was seeing. So there was a stream that came down from this mountain, and a stream that came down from this mountain, and then there was this kind of valley area where it was really lush and pretty and a garden, and there was all these plants and animals and life happening. Okay. And, and then I saw this picture. It was just made evident. And, and if you pray and you listen, and you pray and you listen, the Holy Ghost will build things in you, and he'll explain the Word of God to you. He's a wonderful teacher. He really is. And what I kept seeing in this picture was in this, this mountain and this stream represented the life and the flow and the leadership of the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you that every person that's been born again has received. And the day that you got born again, you had that spiritual life on the inside of you that was always trying to bring the wisdom of God to you and through you to your life. See? And then you have the, the nature of the flesh. Okay? You have... Not necessarily that you are still in bondage to that sin, but you still have the motions of sin. You still have the memories and the experiences and all of this life that tries to conform you to believe something about yourself that you're not, that you haven't been born again. And the, the classic example that we always like to use is, you know, if you had a duck egg and you kind of put it in a chicken's nest and tried to see what that duck would do, you know, because it's got the nature of a duck on the inside. But all of the imprinting is coming from a chicken. So when he walks around, he sees all of his brothers and sisters pecking the ground with their beak. He sees that no chickens really can fly very far. He sees that no chickens can, can swim. <laughs> They're not very fast. They can't do anything. But he keeps having these impulses from the inside. I, I really think that water is good for me. <laughs> you know, ducks are not chickens. Everybody with me? See, and when you got born again your nature changed and you received a nature that is not like here but is, it is like your father in heaven. It is like him. And so you have this mountain of leadership with the spirit that is always trying to bring the life and the fruit of the spirit to it and you have this mountain of leadership that is the flesh and it's always trying to bring life of the flesh and the leadership of the flesh to it. And it's trying, both of these places are trying to water the soul. Everybody say the soul. See, so the soul, we like to talk about the soul and we, we compartmentalize it. The soul is your mind. It's the part of you that's hearing me right now. <laughs> it's, your, it's your personality. It's, uh, 
It's your emotions, you know, what gets you upset? What's one of your pet peeves, you know? What kind of food do you like? What kind of experiences have you had in life? You know, it's the kind of things that define cultures and define groups of people. If you grow up, I love watching different cultures and different groups of people. I love to watch like Planet Earth. Anybody ever seen Planet Earth or some of the different cultures? And they'll, you, you, if you grow up and you live in uh, uh, like, like Norway or the Inuits in, in Alaska, you eat whale blubber. It's wonderful, you know? <laughs> now to us, we're like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want, one of them I really liked, it was, uh, they would catch these birds and they would put them, they would catch like 20 or 30 of them, put them in a cache under rocks and they would let them, the whole bird, feathers and everything, ferment for like three or four months. And then after it was done, whatever that was, that all of them, they'd pull them out and eat it. It was just like the best thing to them. They loved it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> nope, no, not if you, call, if you call me there, God, I'm going to cut my tongue out because I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> I'll go, but I'm going to find another way to, to stomach that. <laughs> See, but that's culture. And you, it's part of the way that life and experience and people have trained you. You take a child from that place and you raise them in America, they're going to have a taste for hamburgers, not, not fermented birds. You know? <laughs> you know, that's culture. See, and these are the things that Water the soul, the experiences of life, the, the inputs, you know, the inputs, if you were a computer, the mouse and the keyboard, it would be your nose and your eyes and your ears and the, and the fingers and all of this stuff that receives information from this life, see. But the information we receive from this life, it tells you what is and is not possible based off of the laws that are in this life, see. But what we see in the Word of God is that and what, you know, I used to wonder as a kid, why don't you ever see God? If he's real, why, why can't you see him? And I, I, I believe I have part of an answer. You know, and this is something, atheists will still say this, well, why isn't he more obvious? <laughs> I think he became as obvious as he could when he sent Jesus. See, you want somebody that's like you, here he is. He's also like me, so see what you can do with that. <laughs> but see, he... How you, we want a God that we can see and touch just like in the Old Testament that they, they would make a God of gold. And, and, but, but see, God is not subject to the things that he makes. What would you want God to be made out of? Would you carbon and nitrogen like you? Ox, oxygen? He'd have to breathe air like you? That, that's a God to you? God isn't subject to the thing he's made. He, he made everything and he is spirit. He is who he is. He is, and in the Old Testament, he says, I am that I am. I've always been here and I always will be. See, and so to us, this is, and especially born in corruption and born in, in, a, in, in, a, in a planet that's kind of cut off from the life of God from the beginning, we tend to think of this as being all that's here, but God says, no, I'm more than that. I'm not just, I didn't just create the physical. I created the life that's on the inside of you that's part of me, and I'm spiritual, and I supersede, and I override, and spiritual truth overrides any natural laws that you have. And this is why you can see Jesus by the Spirit of God and by the command of God. He, you know, gravity doesn't have to work on Jesus if it didn't want to. If God didn't, he says, go walk on that lake. He says, well, most people sink when you do that. I don't care. That's what he told me to do. See. <clears throat> Everybody with me? See? And what I kept seeing in this picture was that the, there was a natural, 
or, uh, so there was a spring that came from this mountain and there was a spring that came from this mountain. And what there was in the center, it was like the water that came from that mountain that watered the garden. It, this life, or this stream produced green lush grass. It produced beautiful flowers. It produced the things that are required for animals to, to, to live and be healthy and have all that stuff. And then this other one, it was kind of like that Chernobyl water, you know. Everything that it touched. Uh, I, I don't know if this will speak to anybody, but we, when I was a kid, I watched a movie called Once Upon a Forest. I don't know if anybody ever seen Once Upon a Forest. But they spilled some really toxic gas, and wherever that gas went, it just dried up the... It, um, it dried up all of the leaves and the vegetation, and it killed life and animals. And, and God was saying, this is the leadership of your flesh. The flesh is selfishness. The flesh cannot be filled. There is not enough. <laughs> Jesus said it this way, you could gain the whole world. Still wouldn't be enough. So, so what is, how do you satisfy the flesh? See, the thing is that people don't get about their flesh is they can't fill it. You get a new car, you're going to want the next new car. You may get tired of the wife that you have, but the new wife that you have in a couple more years is going to feel like the same. It's the flesh that's the problem. It's not, it's not you. I mean, it's not... <laughs> you, you can't fill that lust. It's just going to keep going and going and going. So the root of the problem is not to fill it with the new thing. It is to... It is to Paul said it this way, to be content with what we have been given. See, and it is the spirit that will produce life. Okay, let's go to, I just want to see this for, I keep hearing it, so we're going to just go to Galatians, just for review. Galatians chapter 5. We'll start here in verse 13. For brethren, and, and just so you know, anyone that is born of Christ is the brethren. Brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Everybody say liberty. liberty. You have been called unto liberty. Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. You've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot, everybody say cannot, cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Why wouldn't you be under the law? Because you don't need to be under a law. Because the flesh doesn't have any motion through you. The flesh doesn't have any voice through you. Now the works of the flesh are these, are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. In other words... They're, the flesh keeps coming up with new things to be bad. <laughs> In one place, Paul says, to the impure, all things are impure. See? <clears throat> of the which I tell you before, and I've told you in time past, that they which do such things 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. So all of those things that we listed, that stream from that mountain is trying to water your soul with those fruit. Does everybody see that? In other words, from the flesh, the motives and the stream of life that comes from your flesh, it produces, if it waters your garden of the soul, the soul, the mind, and the will, and the emotions. If you let that stream water the garden of your soul, the fruit that it produces, it's adultery. Okay? So what does that mean? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Did you commit adultery? Yes, I did. Well, you let the flesh water your soul. You let the flesh bring its motives into your heart and your mind, and it produced the fruit in the soul. Yeah, but I'm born again, and I have the nature of Christ. Well, your soul is bearing the fruit of the flesh right now. How come it happened? Because you kept watering your soul with the flesh. You kept meditating with your mind on the things of the flesh. You kept putting before your heart the things of the flesh. Let me just put it to you this way. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't... Game of Thrones. You shouldn't watch it. Period. Period. I don't know if everybody knows that show. I've never seen it. I don't care. I already know. And if you've seen it, you know too. You shouldn't see that show if you're born again. It's the most popular TV show on the planet in history. I don't care. You shouldn't see that show. It's almost, there's only so much pornography you can handle before you start going into places in your soul and it starts producing fruit. Everybody with me? <clears throat> you... It's like what Nathan says, you're going to become what you hang around. You hang around people that have a mind for the filth of the flesh. You just, watered, you just, you just sprinkled your Chernobyl water on your soul. <laughs> That's what you did. See, It's going to produce fruit. This is why he was saying, if you do not, if you're led of the Spirit, you'll not be under the law. You won't need a law because you're being led by the Spirit. Everybody with me? See, all of these things that he lists, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, you know, witchcraft, which we've already said is drug abuse or substance abuse, okay? I, witchcraft, that's a poor old King James translation of substance abuse. That's what it is, okay? Hatred. Now, see, right there we, we take a switch because most of those things we can relate to in the physical body. But then it's not a physical thing anymore. It's not, I have to... You know, it's not a fleshly desire anymore. Then we're talking about emotions, hatred. See, because you cannot, you cannot, you know, if, if I were to, how do I put that? If I were to take out my stomach, I would not be hungry. Now, I wouldn't live very long, but I would not be hungry. <laughs> right? Everybody with me? What part of my body can I take out to stop hating? There's no part just that you can remove to remove hatred. Hatred is a fruit of the flesh in the soul. In the soul of man, the mind and the will and the emotions. Why do we hate our brothers? Why do we still get offended? What, you know, why is it when somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm going to strangle that guy. <laughs> what, what is that? What is that? Because there is still life flowing from the flesh mountain to my soul that's being given voice, that's being given motion. Life from the flesh is finding a way through me. It's finding a way through me. 
See, and this is why we are called to mortify. Everybody say mortify. Mortify the deeds of the body. Why are we wanting to mortify? What does mortification look up? Mortification looks like this mountain and the stream that flows from this mountain drying up. That there is not a single drop of that leadership that we ever give our ear to. That we ever give our motions to. That we ever start to meditate on. See, and it says the works of the flesh are all of these. Well, this, all of these things are the fruit. Everybody say fruit. See, the, the fruit of the flesh is all of this stuff. And it, is, it all appears in the soul. It all, the adultery and the hatred and the, uh, the emulations and the wrath and the strife. You know, you know, when my wife and I sometimes we get, we're married. Okay, we're not the same people. So when we get into it and then we get into it more than we should, it's strife. It takes two to be in strife. Everybody say it takes two. It takes two. You don't have to be in strife if you don't want to. You never, I know it's hard to hear, but you don't have to be in strife if you don't want to. See, because it takes two. And, if, and when, when somebody is trying to egg you on into strife and they're trying to bait you into an offensive conversation, you can just say, I, I'm going to abstain from this until cooler heads prevail. And I've had to do that. I've had to do that. And my wife has had to do that with me because we, there's still some of that life in the flesh that's trying to produce fruit in our soul. And one of them is strife. But it is our job. Everybody say, it's my job. It's my job to crucify the flesh. See, it's my job to mortify the flesh. It's my job to dry that well up and say, this water is not going to water my soul. It's not going to produce all this fruit in that garden. Because that, the fruit that it produces is not good fruit. And Paul said it this way, if you keep eating this fruit, I guarantee you, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of life. You cannot keep consuming the fruit of the flesh and expect to be okay with God. You cannot. Okay. But then he switches and he says, now the works of the flesh in verse 19, but then like a door, he swings and he hinges and he says, but the fruit of the spirit. Everybody say the spirit. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit is this. So now here, this is the stream of wisdom. This is the stream of, of um, life or the, the, the stream of, oh, it's, it's that stream that comes from the Spirit and it's trying to produce all this fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. Why would you need a law against these things, see? See, because what the law was designed to do was restrain that other stuff that was bad. And we still have laws today to restrain that stuff. Everybody with me? See? But you don't need law to restrain love. You don't need law to restrain faith. You don't need law to restrain goodness. And this was what was so powerful about the gospel is Jesus was preaching things. He says, somebody steals from me? Yeah, give him something else. Make him feel real good. You know? He's trying to sue you, take you to court. Paul said it this way, why don't you rather just suffer the wrong? See. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there are no law. There is no law. And they that are Christ, are we Christ? If you've received Christ, see, have crucified the flesh with the affections, the affections and lusts. 
If you live in the Spirit, well, see, if you've been born again, you do live in the Spirit. You do. But he's saying this. He says, if you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. He's saying, let's not have the hypocrisy. Let's not have the hypocrisy of having a nature that is like Christ, but still letting our soul be watered with the flesh. That's hypocrisy. See, And... <clears throat> If I could just go on a little rabbit trail. There's, grace is a tremendous word. It's a very powerful word. There's, no, there's probably no more powerful word on the planet than, than the grace of God. Because what it did for you is something that we could not do for ourselves. And that Jesus, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That he gave us his life that we could not just, you couldn't drum up this. You couldn't, you know, it'd be like a, it is like a chicken trying to conjure up the nature of a duck on its own. So I'm just going to translate myself and become a duck so that I can swim, I can fly, I can do all these things. You could not do that. See, the leopard cannot change his spots. It takes God to do that. And God, through the person of Christ, he gave you the only life there is, which is from him, and that life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And he's saying here, if you have now, if you live in the Spirit, well, we do, yes? Then that is what you have to walk by. You have to walk by it. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Anybody ever been overtaken in a fault? I know I have. I know I have. Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest I also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens. Now, quite honestly, what we usually do is we go talk about them behind their back. And really what you're doing there is the devil's work, not God's. Oops. Okay. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. In other words, he's saying here, there is a walk that you're supposed to, you're, it's your job as a Christian to walk in the Spirit. And the rejoicing that you have from overcoming the things in your flesh, you and God get to have that, that party together, that I'm not who I used to be. I've overcome this. There's things that my flesh used to reign over me and it would produce that fruit and that I'm mortified in those things now that does not produce that fruit in my soul anymore. It does not. There are still things, if you get to know me really well, if I let you, <laughs> I I'm not always the most patient person. Is that right, Mom? <laughs> I'm, I'm more patient than others. <laughs> but that's not a justification, is it? See, we like to justify our weaknesses, but he doesn't say to justify him, he says to mortify him, doesn't he? Amen. See, so there's still things that we're working on, but you have the life of Christ. And we keep looking at ourselves and we keep looking at who we used to be and we keep saying, well, you know, I know that guy. I know how many times he's failed. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. He has never failed. Why don't you let that life conquer this old life? 
And in so many places in the epistles, Paul says, put off your former conversation and put on the new man who is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, he says, put off lying. Put off, put off all of these things. Don't take advantage of each other. Become love to each other. See, this is what the new man looks like. But let, let it, verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4, but let every man prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that it teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He's not talking about an offering here, okay? What he's talking about, he's talking the flesh and the spirit. For he that sows to his flesh, let me put it in the analogy that God gave me, he that waters with the wisdom of the flesh, he that allows that stream to continue to water his soul, okay? He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. It's not like God has anything against you. It's simply what you give yourself to. And so many Christians, they keep fighting the same battles over and over again, and they say, why, why does God allow this to happen? And the truth of it is, is they, they try and read their word, they try and pray, they try and fast, they do all these things, but in doing all of these things, they also water their flesh. They watch things that they shouldn't. They hang around people they shouldn't. And I've seen people stalemate themselves. Everybody say stalemate. You know what a stalemate is? Say stalemate. stalemate. See, stalemates are things where nobody's making any progress. Back and forth you go. You can fast all you want. And fasting will put your flesh down to a place where it's not susceptible to the same weaknesses. But if you, after you fast, fail to take steps from the strength that fasting gave you, you're going to come back into the weaknesses again. And so you can fast on this day, but then the next day you eat a tub of ice cream, or I don't care, it doesn't have to be ice cream. The next day you watch a Netflix binge of halfway porn, you're not mortifying that flesh. You, it's like you've watered your spirit and then you went back and you watered your flesh and then you went back and you watered your spirit and then you went back and you watered your flesh. Why are you doing that? In James it says a double-minded man is unstable in his, all his ways. You cannot have... The flesh and the spirit are contrary. And so many Christians, the reason why they keep producing the same failures over and over again, it's not because of God. It's because they stalemate themselves in that they try and follow God and live a semi-holy life, but then they also try and maintain all of these other things do, that they do. That's not like God at all. And they, don't, they are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. You're not making any progress. <clears throat> Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. I mean, you're going you're gonna to go plant corn, you're going to get corn. It's like a duh thing. To God, it's like, why would you expect any different? When you're watering your soul with one thing, you're going to reap that thing. If you're, he, if, to the measure that you are watering your soul with the word of God, you are reaping the word of God in your life. Everybody say amen to that. To the, to the measure that you are watering your soul with the Word of God, you will reap the fruit of the Word of God in your life. People are susceptible to deception because they're susceptible to be deceived. 
it's their fault and a lot of times. Not always, but if you read your Bible, you're going to know when somebody's not right. <laughs> if you, and especially if you're praying in the Spirit, you're going to know, especially when people are not right. If you can be deceived, you will be deceived. If they get up on TV and preach something that's not in the Bible, and you don't know the Bible, you're going to take them at their word. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Okay. He that sows to his flesh shall reap... Th- shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. See, I've been, you know, I would like to say, you know, and it's not like there aren't seasons where I'm, I do better, I do do better in some seasons than others, but I always keep getting back up and trying to water my soul with the Spirit. And I, I, have, I could have been more diligent at times, you know. But if you, if you really want to be perfect, you don't stay down. You keep getting back up. You keep getting back up. And, and all of the failings that the flesh keeps trying to produce, the decision is still there. I'm going to get back up again, and I'm going to water my soul with the Word of God. I'm going to water my soul with the Spirit. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to let Him teach me. And he will produce the fruit of the word of God in your life. Um, Go to Psalms chapter 1. I hope he's right. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Psalms chapter 1. Verse 1. This is at the very beginning of Psalms. Give everybody a second to get there. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Okay, so he's saying, blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. All right, I can understand that. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now, he's not saying like you're blocking a sinner's path, okay? (laughs) He's saying, blessed is the man that's not... like a sinner, that's not walking in that way, that's not doing the things sinners do, okay, the fruit of the flesh, all of those things that bring destruction in a family, in a life, in a, in a, in a country, okay, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate, everybody say meditate, day and night, now look at this picture, and he shall be like a tree, Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, what this picture is painting here is that the word of God, if you give it to you, you're going to be like a tree that's planted by clean, good water that grows up and produces the fruit in its season, and your leaf's not going to wither, and everything you do will prosper. Jesus said it this way. He says, any man that does my sayings, I'll show you to whom he is like. He is like a man who builds his house on a rock. And when the storms and the winds and the waves come, it stood. 
But any man that doesn't do his sayings in the context, what he's saying there, he's not saying that he is the rock, although Christ is the rock of our salvation. What he's saying there is that the rock of building your life is doing the words of God. So that the words that Jesus was bringing, he says, if any man do my saying, he's going to be like the man that builds his house on the rock. How, is you, how are you built on the rock? You've done the words of his sayings. The ones that aren't built on the rock are the ones that don't do the words of his sayings. In other words, they do not live by the word of God. And when the storms of life come, great was the fall of that house, it says. See, And this is what we see from the flesh. The flesh always produces destruction. The flesh always produces, you know, it may, there might be some pleasure in it for a time, but the end of it is going to be death. At the end of it is going to be destruction. It's always the same. Go to uh, James. Making you use your whole Bible today. <laughs> James chapter 4. Now, I could go into James chapter 1 and, and just keep going. I mean, James chapter 1 gives you a real cl clear picture about it's how, how sin comes about is by the meditation of your mind and the thoughts and what you're thinking about. Everybody say, what I'm thinking about. What are you thinking about? Because sin doesn't just pop out and say, oh, I got you. I've had people tell me that before. I had, some, I had somebody tell me once, he said, the devil got into my body and made me do this thing. And, and he says, before I could even stop it, the, the devil says, I got you. I said, you're lying. You're lying. That's, <laughs> there's no temptation that's not common to man. Yeah, I got that flesh too. You yielded to it is what you did. Anyway... <laughs> See, what you give your thoughts life to, your thoughts start, when you meditate on things, it produces motions in the heart. You start to say words, you start to say things, you start to hint at things. This is what I do whenever I want a new toy, and I have to get it past Natalie. See? I see the ad in the paper, I see it's on sale. I start to research all the specs about it, I know about I know about all the, the electronics before they even are out, you know. Somebody may buy it and they don't even, I've got friends, so I don't even know what that does. I kind of know what it does. Here, I'll show you. Why? I, I don't, so how do you know it does that? Because I've read all about it already. <laughs> but you don't have one. I know. I wish I did. <laughs> See, and, and my thoughts go to it. And then I start to say things to Nana. It's like, boy, we could, we could really... You know, it'd be a lot easier for us if, if you had something like this, you know. <laughs> so the flesh is sneaky. See, that's, that's the way it works. You, you, and, and eventually, <laughs> it gives, it gives, here's the fruit of it right here. <laughs> it starts with the thought, and the talk, and the action, all right? Cycles, cycles, cycles. Well, James, James 1 is about that, Okay. But we're going to go to the end of it. And everybody in James chapter 4. And look at this. <clears throat> All these things that people try and put on the hook for God. They try and blame God for these things. And God keeps trying to get people to <laughs> mortify their flesh. But he can't take away the choice. So 
<laughs> anyway. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of the lusts that war in your members? You lust and you have not, you kill and you desire to have, you cannot obtain, you fight and war, and you have not because you ask not, and you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss, that you might consume it on your lusts. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Let me just put it another way. The flesh and the spirit, they are diametrically opposed so that you cannot do the things that you would. You cannot have all of the flesh with the attachments it has to this world and still be following God. The lust of the flesh will not allow you to. And that's why he's saying you're an adulterer. You're an adultery, you Christians, that love this world and love the lusts of the flesh, and you have, don't have a heart for God. Same. <clears throat> Do you think the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resist the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded. What does a double-minded man look like? I love the world, and I love God too. Jesus said it this way, you cannot serve God and money. You can't have both. One's going to be your God, one's going to win out. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. See, And what he's saying there is there's a, there's a place of repentance. And if this, if this message finds you in this place, it's not the end. What he's giving you an example is, is he's saying, look, if you're a Christian and these things describe you, well, I, I really, I do watch a lot of filth. I do read a lot of garbage. My mind is in the world. My, all of my hopes and aspirations is on stuff. I could care less about the kingdom of God. What he's saying here is there is a repentance process that you can go through. And this is what he's saying. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will have to flee from you. The only reason the devil has any ground in the lives of believers is because they want him in their life. They want the lust of this flesh. See? But he's saying here, if you draw an eye to God... He will draw an eye to you. If you cleanse your hands and purify your hearts, be afflicted and mourn, turn, let you, the laughter of the sin turn to, the joy, or turn to mourning and the joy of the sin turn to heaviness. And he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. See, and I think there's an, a lot of the church is going to have to go through this process because they have tried their best to live life for themselves and also follow God. See, <clears throat> see, the word of God is going to produce the fruit. And see, God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't love, he might love mom more than, <laughs> than you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. He doesn't love mom any more than he loves anybody else. He doesn't love the Apostle Paul any more than he loves you. And he sees, God sees the potential in each and every person here. He sees, you're his hope in the earth. 
He wants to work through you so mightily to accomplish things for the kingdom of God. There is callings and, and giftings that he has in store for every single person here. And he, is, he sees the potential that's in you and he wants to draw it out and bring you to a place where you're walking in more of him. Same. There's such a heart that he has for you. And there's such a love that he has for every single person. And see, how we begin to walk into more of what He has for us, it is through yielding to the life of the Spirit of God that's already inside of you. If you have been born again, you have a conscience and it's speaking to you and it's telling you right from wrong. It is accusing or excusing the thoughts of your heart and it's telling you what you should do. See? <clears throat> you know, and the conscience... Incidentally, the conscience will tell you things that you don't always expect. Yesterday I was at church here, and I was spending time in prayer. And, and I heard, you need to get up and go home and spend some time with your boys. And I didn't realize this, but next week we're celebrating our anniversary late. This is our eight-year anniversary. And so we're celebrating it late because Natalie had a wedding she went to. We, were, we, weren't, we aren't going to be here for a couple of days, and then after I get home, we're going to be right into a work week again. And it's going to be a long time, and it's, and it's been a lot of time with the boys that we, I haven't seen them, you know. And that you can be busy throughout the day and not see the kids. And when I get home at 6 o'clock and you eat dinner, that's not a lot of time. And so I was sitting there praying, and I thought, you know, I'm praying. What, what is this? <laughs> it's the Spirit of God telling you. He says, this is something you need to do. You need to go home. And then I realized when he told me that, I'm not going to be able to see the boys next week very much. See, the Holy Ghost has what's best for you in his heart. And see, he's trying to lead you and guide you into all truth. He's trying to bring a balance in your life. He's trying to bring correction in your life. There's things that matter to him that you maybe don't think matter to him. But if you spend time with him, he's going to start illuminating your path. He's going to start lighting things up and saying, this can be solved. We can take it. Just me and you. Let's get on the same team and let's take this. The power of the gospel is that what has been doesn't have to stay the same. What has been doesn't have to stay the same. That's the power of the gospel. So it finds you in a place of weakness. You don't have to stay in weakness. Same. <clears throat> Submit yourselves to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. The more I walk with God, the more confident I am because I'm endeavoring every day to let the Spirit water my soul and produce the fruit of the Spirit. See? And if you, and this is what I saw the picture happening, that what transformation, you know, we talked about transformation weekend. What transformation looks like is that by your own choices, your choices, your decisions, that the Holy Ghost is leading you and he's saying you need to do this, you need to do this. And then as you hear it, you choose it. As he brings you his counsel, you choose to do it. See, because he, he brought me some counsel that, you know, takes a couple months. Some of the counsel he brings me takes me a couple years. Well, then it's a couple years delayed in the fruit, right? Because if he tells you to do something and it takes you a couple years to stop, it delays. 
But delayed obedience is better than no obedience, right? <laughs> Amen? But what I saw, I saw through my choices that he says, stop this, do this, spend more time in the word here. Go home and spend time with your kids. What it's doing is it is creating. You remember the, the picture of the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden, I don't know what that was or what it looked like, but now it's no longer physical. It is spiritual, and it is on the inside. And see, what the Holy Ghost is trying to do is he is trying to tend that garden. He gave Adam that job. He's trying to tend that garden on the inside of you, that your life is a garden uh, the fruit of it is the love and the joy and the peace that your family can be whole. That, you're, that, that even though storms rage around you, there's peace on the inside of you. See, And through the choices that he brings me, don't do this, don't do that, I begin to mortify this council over here. And I, brick by brick, stone by stone, I put a dam on all the council of the flesh until there's nothing. There is no counsel that comes from that place that I listen to. See? Because I have the same thoughts as everybody else. And every, you know, the lusts of the flesh are in everybody. But it is a choice. And now, the power of the gospel is that you have a choice. If those that aren't born again have no choice, they have no recourse. They have nothing speaking to them except the wickedness in their heart. And the law of consequence, which brings them to fear of bondage, which is what the word says. So they're stuck. But you're not stuck. You've received Christ. And you have the life speaking in your ear, telling you right from wrong. And you can walk free. You have that choice. See? And you can brick by brick, stone by stone, put a cap on that fountain. And it doesn't have to produce the death in your life. And it will be, you and the Holy Ghost will turn your life into the Garden of Eden that God had planned for you. And everything that the Word of God touches in your life, it'll bring forth fruit. Your leaf will not wither. And you'll, you'll, you know, all the promises of the Word of God, they're sown in your heart and it will produce fruit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Father, I thank you for your Word and your truth. I ask you for your grace, and I know that it's imparted already. I, I believe that it is, that there is a strength here, and I sense it even now, that everybody that heard this message, I thank you for your grace to follow up and put legs to this message that they can walk out some of this. Step by step, day by day, little bit by little bit, I thank you for your change sweeping through, and even great changes even big changes, even sections of the flesh all at once being eradicated, Father. I thank you for strong moves of God in people's lives and in their hearts and that it shows up in their homes and it shows up in their days and it shows up in their peace that they handle things differently. They see things with a different perspective because the word of God is bearing the fruit in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>